Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 53, where these verses actually come from. Then we'll go to the book of Romans, and then we'll end in the book of Revelation. Isaiah chapter 53. And we want to read beginning at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 8. All right, we'll begin at verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Let's go now to Romans chapter 12. We'll go to Romans chapter 12. And then we're going to look at verse 15 through 17. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 through 17. All right. Beginning at verse 15, it says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. The final book, book of Revelation. Let's go to book of Revelation chapter 22. Book of Revelation chapter 22, the final chapter. We're just going to read the first three verses there. All right. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I come today, Father, humbling myself before you and asking that this message might minister to us as well as to anyone who might hear it. Father, we reach out today recognizing Sister Corrine and her family that have been such an integral part of this church for so long. 
Gerald and Maynique and Kevin and Kezia and Carly and Jasmine and AJ, all of them, Father, being a part of what we've been doing here, Mackenzie, all of the family, Father, goes on and on. I mean, spent such amount of time here and today for Brother Alvin to depart in such unexpected way, we reach out today and ask that this message might minister to them, but also minister to our hearts that we might reflect upon our lives while we have them. Father, we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I get any time emotional, don't let it worry you. It's just a part of, you know, what we do as ministers, I think. Today, I've entitled my message, Acquainted with Grief. Acquainted with Grief. And my thesis, at least where I hope will be when it's over, is that God knows our sorrow and is there as our comforter and friend. God knows our sorrow and he's there as our comforter and our friend. In the book of Isaiah, you saw where I began as I was reading in verse 53, I mean verse chapter 53, where the prophet begins to ask the question, who hath believed our report? And he begins to talk about what God planned to do to redeem people. That he would send a Messiah, and that servant, though, it appears would be a suffering servant. And although we equate many times Jesus, you know, the power and the victory and everything we want to receive and that we think we can receive from God, at the same time, the Bible is very clear that Jesus was acquainted with sorrow. The Bible specifically says he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. The word grief actually means malady, anxiety, calamity, disease, sickness. It doesn't mean that Jesus was any of these, but he himself was acquainted with all of it and had his own amount of sorrow connected to what he saw on the planet. I believe that, unfortunately, for most of us, I know for me, I have experienced some things recently that have made me think even deeper about the message that I present on Sundays. As I have thought back of the trials that I had in 1994 when I was up against some very serious situations and the doctors were telling me some things that just were not very pleasant. And as I reassess it, when I talk about it here sometime, I think that it came off like, you know, they told me this and, you know, I just said, well, no, I'm going to preach the word and get a pill and I'm not taking that. I'm just going to walk by faith. And it sounds like maybe some faith Superman novel going on here. And maybe the failure to talk about the hours and hours and hours that I thought I was not going to make it. The hours and hours that I spent on my patio just looking at the fence, wondering why is this happening to me? What did I do wrong? I was only 31 years old. I didn't understand 
Why was this happening? So it wasn't so simple that I just grabbed a Bible and grabbed a scripture and all of a sudden all was well. It didn't happen like that. But sometimes as I kept reflecting on it, I said, well, maybe, you know, kind of sounds like that. So I've experienced some things even recently that have caused me to think a lot about that. And I didn't even know what the sermon would be today, Sunday, because I had to go to the doctor Friday about some things. And it turned out not to be anything at all, for the most part. There's certain things associated with it I got to deal with, but the reality is all that, you know, I conjured up. Uh, the doctor was like, you're the healthiest 60-year-old guy I've seen. But it again made me realize some things. And then when I got that call and I was sitting there, I, and Kezia, I called her back because I hadn't answered the phone at first, and I called Jasmine, and then I called Kezia. And she was crying on the other end, and, and she was talking to me. And what was so amazing about it was that she told me kind of what was going on, and then she said to me, the last thing she said was, Pastor, will you pray for me? Now, that's usually not what happens. You know, when you're talking to somebody 20, most of the time they're not really thinking at that level, you know. They're kind of telling you what's happening or whatever. But for her to, in that moment, request that I would pray. And so I did, and Lori was sitting out there. I did, and, and uh, then we hung up. And I said, you know, for someone to be that young and to call the pastor, and at the same time, after telling me what's happening, then request that I pray, tells me that in, the, in spite of the moment that she's even going through, that she is cognizant that prayer is needful that we don't know what is happening. And I always tell people, and now even more so as I deal with this today, I believe that as a church, the responsibility, the Bible says that, you know, we read that in Romans, you know. The Bible says in Romans, you know, many times people will say, well, you know, they go to church and they'll go to these places and they say, oh, we don't want to have no sad funeral. We want to we wanna celebrate. We celebrate in life. And I, I get all that. I understand everything people are saying. But, you know, as I go back and I think about, you know, back in the day when, you know, we used to have those Baptist funerals, you know, and they would go and on and sometimes people would cry and things would happen. And people say, oh, we don't need all that. We need to be rejoicing. I, I get it. You know, but the Bible seems to be very, very clear on these matters. You know, it says um, in one place, we read it in Romans 12 in uh, verse 15. It says, rejoice with them that do rejoice. So when you know you get your promotion and you get your raise and you get these things, great. That's wonderful. And, you know, your babies are born and things are going great. Wonderful. But the Bible then also says, weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Folks, I'm telling you, when you're going through trouble and when things are hitting your life, I remember when my sister passed away. I was there and when she took her last breath. And I remember looking at the TV as life just kept going and going. Everybody just do what they do. They just keep going. It doesn't matter. And it's not until you're in the crucible 
of your problem, that you then begin to understand how sometimes life doesn't seem so fair, how all of a sudden, where are your friends? If all of a sudden, you know, what, what, what do you do and what happens with your life and how's it going? And yet as you walk, you have to keep walking like everything's all good because that's how people tend to live, you know. It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. When reality is, it ain't all good. It ain't all good. Alvin died. He had a heart attack at his house with his family there. See, I, I don't have a scripture for that. What I have is just, I'll come sit. I told him, whatever you need, just let us know. But I don't have no scriptures. I'm not about to give you one. I'm not about to try to tell you, you know, Cast your care on the Lord because he cares for you. Oh, it sound real good. But when you're going through and when the pressure is on your life, you, you have to be able, as the Bible says, to gird yourself up in the Lord. But you have to do that. You, you know, I said to someone I was speaking with, I said, you know, I, I remember saying many, many weeks ago, well, you know, you got to learn how to be alone. And what I meant, I didn't mean alone like you don't need nobody. What I meant that there are hours and moments and time when you do not understand what is going on. It makes absolutely no sense to you to be able to say that God is God and God is sovereign and God is good, but what is happening right now ain't so good. But God is still God. He's still got to be God. He's still got to be good. And that contradiction sometimes can be very problematic. But I think that a church's responsibility is really just to be there for one another. You know, we don't come here so we can just hear, do whatever, then leave, and go our separate ways. And it's amazing how most of us, the way we really live, you know, if something happened to you, your family going to be there. You know, y'all, you're calling your family. Many of them you don't really deal with like that. But the reality is you just kind of call them up and you're doing your thing. But, but the church is supposed to be really the people who are really, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters that we call ourselves. Brother this, sister that, brother. You know, and the reality is we're supposed to be able to be there in such a way that you're comfortable. That doesn't mean you have to tell everybody your business. I mean, you're saying that. But I'm saying that you ought to be able to know that you can rely on someone that when you're sitting there in dust and ashes, they'll just sit down in the ashes with you, <laughs> you know, and, and, and admit it, you just like me. You know, don't come bringing me all these sermons and power and all that right now. I told somebody the other day, I said, you know what, right now, if I took one of these sermons I preached and gave it to myself, I'd slap me. Now, why did I say that? Because don't get me wrong, I think there are times for certain things and it makes sense for certain things, but then there are also times when we have to understand that we don't really know. And the Bible says that Jesus was, was acquainted with sorrow. I want to read something to you in John chapter 11, and I want you to think about this. John chapter 11 beginning at verse 32, John chapter 11, verse 32. And I want to say this while I'm saying it now. Any of y'all can call me anytime. I'll come just sit down at your house and sit and look at you. 
And you know, whatever going on in Ukraine and your stuff ain't right, I'm going to just look at you. Now, if you say, Pastor, say something, I'm going to probably say what you want me to say. Because I'm not, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I look, y'all, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I, I understand, you, you know, there's some things that, you know, just, they make no sense. And we, but we can't do anything about it. I mean, you know, I, I listen sometimes, I watch the world, you know, when we're young especially, you know, things just seem to go. But, but a lot of times, even young people, things are happening, and we don't know how to explain it. Well, forget your explanations. Let's just sit there. Instead of, we know what God said about himself, and we believe this about God, and then we don't understand all of whatever else is going on. We don't even know. We have no clue. You know, we look at Job, and we see God really was pushing him out there, and, and he had no clue what was going on behind the scenes. And when it was all over, it was really about a fight that was going on behind the scenes. So we don't know, but we know some things, and we're here with each other, and this we do know. John chapter 11, I want you to think about it. There were only actually three times in the Scripture that we can find that Jesus actually is recorded as weeping. Think about it now. So we have the Savior actually weeping. And so the question is, what is this about? In John chapter 11, beginning at verse 32, it says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. The Bible says, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Even in the midst of the man dying, and the Savior weeping, somebody got to open up their mouth and say, couldn't this man who did all this other stuff have done this? Really? Right now? Well, we, don't you see the Jews weeping, people weeping, Mary weeping, their brother's dead. Why are we talking about this? Jesus crying. Everybody crying right now. Why are you talking? You know, why, why, why are we talking about it? Why are we trying to understand it more so than just getting in there with it and, uh, and just trying to, what, console and do what we can? Because there's only so much we could do. The Jews already knew they couldn't raise him from the dead. Nobody else could raise him from the dead. They were crying. Mary falls at his feet. Man, it's a, it's a story that just makes you go like, wow. And, I, and that's why the Bible says Jesus was acquainted with grief. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He understood it. It made him cry. So how are people going to tell me, <laughs> Pastor, don't cry? You know, I mean, if Jesus can cry, and he already knew what he was going to do, I can't go to, over to that house and say, cry, because they crying, and then going in and raise their husband and father from the dead. Jesus knew what he was going to do. His tears had nothing to do with the man being dead. His tears were about the sorrow. 
about the grief that this is the condition of man. And it will be our condition until the kingdom comes. That no matter how much we want things to go perfect, no matter how much we try for them to go perfect, no matter how much we do to make them perfect, something comes about all the time that causes us to have to stop and think about it. Now, that doesn't mean that what? Go home, oh, Lord, we're going to have me. That's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is that these things happen. And we have to know that as we're moving through life, we're always cognizant to say, Lord, this is why the Bible says when we pray daily, Father, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Because we really just don't know what might happen. We pray and we ask God to keep us. We pray and we ask God to watch over us. But, you know, there's a story in the Bible or a time in the Bible that tells us plainly that when uh, I, didn't, I didn't tell them to use these scriptures, but I, I think I'm going to use them now. If y'all can find it, that's fine. At the time where uh, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith not fail, and when you be converted, that you'll strengthen your brethren. And I found that story to be very interesting, that moment, because what happens is Jesus is praying, and he's getting ready to go. There they go. Okay, here we go. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. What? that he may sift you as wheat. He goes on and he says, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. What's, what does Peter say? And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will, crow not, will not crow this day before that thou shall thrice deny that you even know me. Wow, that is crazy, awesome thought. Peter has been with Jesus all this time. Peter has, been, has walked on water. He didn't make it, but at least he got out the boat, right? Peter has been doing all this stuff. He's seen all the miracles Jesus worked. He understands everything. And Jesus says to him, this is the only other time we see it because this looks like what happened with Job. He says, Peter, put that back up there. He says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. So that means then that somewhere the devil made it clear he wanted at Peter. And obviously the Lord granted him his wish because he said, but I've prayed for you. And after you're done, that your faith not fail. But when you're finished, strengthen your brethren. That is a very interesting situation. I went online to watch the sifting of wheat in the process. It's a scary process, y'all, if you think about it. I went and watched it done the old way. So they had like five women on each side of all the wheat that had been brought out of the field. And it's put on the ground. And they have these whips in their hand. 
and they start whipping it. And they're, they're, they're like, in order, I guess, to, you know, it's just like karate, you know, when you go, ah! I guess they're, you know, doing their thing so that when they get their strength so they can hit it, they're, yeah, 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 yeah. And the weed is just, bam, bam, bam. So you got 10 women with whips, yeah, 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 and the weed just getting beat. And it ain't over yet. Then you take it, and they put, get this little thing, and they start going like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're just flipping it, flipping it, flipping it. That's to get the stalk out so that all that's left is the wheat. Simon, Simon, Satan have desired to, yeah, 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 yeah. And we're going to see what's left when it's over. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, y'all, but look, sifting ain't none of, no joke. We all need to understand that, you know, the last thing I think anybody wants is for Satan to desire to have you. Because even though we know God can keep us, Jesus said, look, I prayed for you. That's like what happened with Job. That's what happened. God kept him, even though all that stuff was coming out of Job's mouth. It was God who kept him when it was over, because he told Satan, you can't kill him. But I tell you what, Job felt like dying. Job kept saying things. Job kept with all kind of stuff in his mind. He came up with every reason why it was his fault. He's searching, trying to find everything. And when it's over, it's like, you wrong. <laughs> you just wrong. But it was going on. I can't, we can't deny what's going on. The key is we just let God be God as we walk. Because sometimes all we can do is just walk. All we can do is just keep walking and keep believing what God said. We know, just like as Sister Miranda prayed this morning, we all must go that way. But I ain't trying to go today. Are you? Are you? She just said, don't even look at me. No, just joking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're not trying to go today. So although we understand when we say that, it's something when somebody come to you and say, today your day, and you ain't ready. And then we all go to lunch. Yeah, we just all go to lunch and go on with life. Come call you up, hey, won't go to lunch? You know today your day. You ain't trying to do lunch. You're trying to figure out what's going on. You, you're looking, is there anybody I can call? Is there somebody I can talk to? So that guess what? They don't say, well, you know why? Your day-to-day -day probably. Remember what you did back 20 years ago? Remember this? Remember that? The reason? They're coming up with all kinds of, couldn't this? Why is this happening to you, they say? That's what we always tend to do. Instead of what? Embracing one another and just loving on people, man. Just understanding that God loves his people. We don't know sometimes what's happening. We don't understand why it happens. But we know one thing. God said love one another. I remember the church I used to attend when we would do this little walk around like we did. They had a song they would sing. And we would go around and we'd be singing a song while we were doing it. The pastor said, make sure now, he would say like that, make sure y'all, you know, understand what you're doing here. And it would be love one another and you will see a new light shining in me. Love one another and you'll see a new light shining, a new light shining, a new light shining in me. 
And the idea was that everybody don't know what everybody going through. Sometimes people are really going through some hard times. They got a lot of stuff going on. And they ain't trying to dump it on you. But it's good to know that somebody cares. And they care without judgment. They care without trying to figure it all out. They care without trying to remind you of your past or remind you of your present or remind you of your future or try to tell you why what's happening to you may be whatever it is. Whatever, who cares? Do you love me or not? Can you just listen to my pain? Can you hear my voice as I'm crying out? I don't know why this is happening in my life. When that little girl called me, I, I just, I don't know. I didn't lose my father that way. My wife did. My wife, I think she was 23 when her father died. Sister Lori had been taking care of people all her life. And her father died of cancer. I think he was 54. You know, and even in that, she was there. She had time. It wasn't no better, and I ain't going to sit up and say I understand it because I'm just going to be quiet. Like I said, I, I don't understand any of that. But I do know this. She was there with him. She spent time with him, and then he passed, and they bonded in that even. I remember when I met my wife, she was wearing her dad's ring, a ring that she got when from him. And when I met her, I said to myself, especially after I knew everything she told me about her dad and all kind of stuff, I said, you know what? This was in my head. I say, the day she take that ring off, that's going to probably be the day that I've captured her heart. Because I knew how much her father meant to her, and that's why she wore that ring. And there came a day that she actually asked me to wear it. That's a big deal. A really big deal. And so I kind of told her, well, no, I think maybe, you know, you have it. It, it, it just, I appreciate it, you know. Um, but knowing that she had lost him at such an early age, but then at the same time, the way it occurred, you can, sometimes we get time. It's not good time. It's like my mom, you know. She, she stayed in the bed for over a year before she passed. It wasn't a good time. It wasn't a great year, but we at least kind of knew where we were headed a little bit. But yesterday, I mean, the man's cooking. And there's just absolutely no time to even say goodbye. There's no time to even, I, I, nothing. I mean, it's like, that's, that's different. That's even more so tragic in that sense, the way you're not expecting and you don't have any time to say goodbye. And it's so, it'd be one thing if you're 86, 85. He's younger than me. It's like 57. You know, the expectation is not that he's just gone, you know. And so in that, I thought about it and realized that just like Lazarus died and Jesus waited and he wept, I would, I would see that the Savior Always, the Bible says, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. 
So that's why last week when I said the Bible says, boldly come to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. In Luke chapter 19, I want to go over there, because when you look at what happened with Peter, I mean, it turned out just like Jesus said. I mean, you know that Peter loved Jesus. Yet at the same time, when the pressure got on, we're going to go to Luke 19. We're going to look at verse 41 here in a second. But when you look at what happened with Peter, I think Peter had such a self-assurance of himself. He was so sure of who he was. He was so positive of what he would do because he had never been confronted by this kind of fear. It had never grasped his soul. So Peter says to Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but I got you. So he tells him, Satan, is, he's telling him now, Satan wants you. And Peter basically says, I got this. <laughs> what? Did you not read your? But, but, but Peter's like, I got this. He says, I'm not going to deny. He says, I'm going to with you to prison and even to death. He says, okay. I'm telling you, tonight, before the cock crows, three times you're going to say you don't even know me. Now, I've said this before. I believe in myself about certain things, right? And I believe that I wouldn't run off on one of y'all. I say that all the time. But you know what? You can say all that you won't say. I just believe that if in the moment <laughs> that courage don't rise up in you, you about to book. That's what we tend to do. We don't realize what is really going on. We talking now. We saying it and we even mean it. You know, I always wonder how people who get married get divorced. I've never understood it. They come up here, they look so deeply in each other's eyes. And they say, I'll never leave you. And it's like then they leave them. I don't understand that. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about now. Whatever the pressure is that gets on people, that all of a sudden makes them believe that whatever they thought was true ain't true no more. And they go. Well, with Peter, it was the fear. I don't, we don't even know what was happening. Peter is there, and they come and they tell him. The Lara's girl says, weren't you one of his disciples? That's all she said. Well, he's watching what's happening to Jesus. And Jesus don't look like he's winning right now. And, and I don't necessarily know I want to get caught in this right now. And sure enough, he denies him. Finally, till the last time, he's warming by the fire, and they start talking, and he start cussing, they say. They say, oh, he surely couldn't know him. <laughs> yeah, that can't be one of his disciples, the way he cussing. You know, but, but Peter was, I mean, to the point he cursing. I don't know him. He's so afraid right now. This is what Satan can do. When God pulls back, Satan can give you so, but y'all done been to the grave and back. Let me tell you this. All right, in life, I've been to the grave and back. I done killed myself and come back I don't know how many times. Well, God about to kill me. I know he's finna kill I know it's over. I don't know what I did. I don't know how I did it, but something I did, because here I go. It's over. Oh, Lord. That's what happened back then. That's what's been happening in recently at times. All kind of things go through your mind when things, troubles are coming at you. And God tries to consistently get us to understand, look, I get it. Power is great. But in the flesh, y'all ain't got nothing. 
You can't fight the devil. Sometimes we're trying to win the battle of life in our flesh. We try to outthink God. Well, outthink things. You know, it ain't God. We just thinking. Well, if I do this, or maybe if I do that, or maybe if I try this, or maybe if I do that, it'll work. And God's like, look, y'all need y'all to understand something. I use your brains. I do. <laughs> but I use your brains. You need to let me deal with you. Sometimes we have trouble in our marriage, trouble in our life, trouble on our job, trouble with our health, trouble with things. And God's got something he can do to help, but the key is to let God do it. Instead of trying to come up with a plan. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. My wife likes this, 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 and this, and so I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And the reality is, God's like, look, maybe you just need to pray. Stop and just pray. And, 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 and because many times emotional things are about the heart. I mean, it, it only takes, I mean, like, <laughs> and hopefully I ain't revealing too much of your business, honey. But like my wife says, when she used to, if she ever dated somebody and, you know, it was over, she was like, you know, they could turn to gold, uh, but I don't want them no more. You know, if it had gone bad and it was over, she's like, I wouldn't care if they turned to gold. You know, somebody come back and say, oh, that man, he's gold now. She'd be like, well, somebody else can have the gold. You know, that's how far it had won. It had gone far enough that I was done. I'm finished with it. It's all over. And, and I think that sometimes we have to understand that things are a matter of the heart. I could bring you flowers, cookies, candy every day and, and buy you a car. And you'd be like, you know what? You can keep all that. Because you've stretched the rubber band so far that it don't matter no more. I used to could give you crackers and water, and you were skipping and happy. But since I thought that's all that mattered and that's all the way I did things, eventually, as your heart grows hard, eventually now I show up with roses, chocolates in a limo, and you wear to walk. See, some things take God to break it, to unharden hardened hearts to change situations. God's got to do all these different things. God is always the one. He wants us to have faith. You know, I sit back sometime and I listen to some preachers preach. And I heard one the other day. I'm sure you'll appreciate this. He said the three simple ways to receive God's healing. The three simple ways. And he basically made it clear that most of us don't understand. It's simple. Now, this is what I think. Now, I could be wrong because I don't, I don't have not all knowing. But, I mean, there are many people I know who've never been sick. And they don't even know God. They don't know God, but if you talk to them, they'll tell you, well, I've never been sick. I mean, you know, I'm doing pretty well so far, whatever. And if you believe that the reason that you're doing okay now that you're a Christian is because you know everything about God, and you've got straight connection with God, and you've got the three simple ways to have God do whatever, get ready. Get ready. I'm telling you, because God going to show you. He'll make it clear to you. Ain't no three simple ways to me. There are people who have been sick forever. People who pray for people, and nothing happens. Well, we know those people are Christians. They love God. Well, why they can't? Access these three simple things. It's simple. Well, what I really think it is is that, you know, right now you just haven't had your level of calamity just yet to understand what you're talking about because it ain't that simple. It is simple to believe the gospel. In other words, it's a simple gospel. Jesus died for your sins. If you believe God, God will save you. Now, what happens after that salvation ain't so simple because there are a lot of people who really 
need some changing. Their attitudes, their ideas, their things. And there's a lot of stuff that might need to happen sometime to get it that way. You know, sometime, you know, you have to uh, twist some stuff and change some stuff and chop on some stuff and yeah, 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 some stuff to get the weed out. So it's usable. You can't eat stalks. And so even after it get beat good and you, you, you find yourself get then all of a sudden the stalk falls off, and now it's something they can use for bread. This is not to cast fear on our lives. It's just for us to be more comfortable with why sometime trouble comes, that sometime it's happening. And Jesus said, you know, Paul said, through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not because, what, God is trying to hurt us. God is trying to do whatever. I was thinking the other day about, I told my wife, I was thinking about the young man uh, who got injured in the LSU game from grambling. So you go, you're on the bus, and I'm sure as they're riding over for the game to, in Death Valley, nobody's thinking that one of us on this bus ain't coming home. One of us on this bus is about to be paralyzed, possibly in this game. One of us on this bus is going to have to have an operation and get carted off the field tonight. I'm sure nobody's thinking that. And sure enough, it happened. And I told her, I said, I wonder, you know, what, so what do you tell that young man? You the pastor, what you go in there and say? I'm, I'm telling you what you say. You don't say nothing. You just sit by the bed and be quiet. <laughs> because for the most part, what are you going to say? Really, think about it. What do you say? Well, they prayed before the game that, Everybody would be okay, and it'd be a good game and all. Well, not so much for him. So we're going to sit and try to figure out why that happened to you or whatever instead of somebody else on the bus? Or do we just understand that life has its way and things are happening and we don't know all of what's going on? We just don't understand it all. But we know that God ultimately is in charge of it all. This is what makes people upsets people so. But I do think sometimes what we need to think about is the Garden of Eden and what God says actually occurred. God said, I gave Adam and Eve a perfect world. And instead of them walking in that perfection, they chose evil. And when they chose evil, evil took over the planet. The planet is under a curse. Jesus didn't take the curse away. He took the curse upon him of not following the law. It said that everyone who doesn't do the law is cursed. But Jesus took that curse upon him because the Bible says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So Jesus took the curse of us not obeying the law and doing what? Having him as our savior. That's the curse he took. But the curse on the planet, sickness and disease and other stuff. And then you have people trying to explain stuff. You know, I listened to another preacher, and this is what he said. There are four types of healing. Now, I want y'all to hear this. Four types of healing. Praise the Lord. First, there's natural healing, and I get that. You know, you get cut. It's amazing. Watch what happens. Give it a few days, depending on how deep the cut is, you'll start to see it heal itself. Matter of fact, if it's not too deep, you'll see the skin, the blood clot, and you'll see it begin. And within a few days, depending on how deep the cut, you won't even know you were cut. 
God has designed our bodies to fight, and that makes sense. We have immune systems. We got all this stuff. Our body fights, and it's designed that way to heal itself. Then there is medical doctors. God's knowledge, and I agree with that, the knowledge that God gave people and, and everything, and the doctors, even though this stuff can be used for evil, like we see some stuff going on now with people, you know, um, different types of operations and things they're doing, or doctors doing abortions, or things we think might not be correct and evil before God. But the knowledge that God has given people when you look in cancer research and all the different things that have happened, that knowledge comes from God. Makes sense. So we're not going to tell people, don't take that pill, don't do this, don't do that. This came from God. We believe that. Makes sense. Third, there's supernatural healing. Now, he ain't quite explained why some get it and some don't. But he did acknowledge at least it happens. You know, believe that God can heal people. Sometimes people go to the doctor, they had something. Next thing you know, they ain't got it. Well, the problem with, depending on how you present that to people, would be that, well, why they got it and I don't get it? You know, that could be the kind of questions you start asking. So, you know, we try, I, I heard him. And then the final healing, which we all going to get, I guess, is death. So I was like, okay, hold, stop. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I go to the hospital, and, you know, you sit, and you say, Pastor, pray for me. They say, I'm going to die. And I say, brother, look, there's four types of healing. There's natural, doctors, supernatural, and death. Now, I'm going to pray God heal you. Now, see, right then, I would expect you to say, Pastor, you know, don't, don't pray for me. Because if you believe them the four healings, well, I mean, I'm trying to get you to pray so I don't die. Now, I might die. I mean, we, we're not trying to tell, but, but, but what you cannot do is change what the Bible says to fit your view of the world. You know, in other words, you want to make God, okay, he's a good God. And the only way you can explain him to everybody is that because, like Alvin died yesterday, he got the perfect healing. Really? That's what you want me to go tell Keisha? That's what you want me to tell Kareem? Man, the people run me out of that house with a stick and a gun, and they should. You know, you think about it. The Bible is so clear about what this is. Let, let, let me read it to you. In 2 Corinthians, this is what it says. I'm going to read something to you. Or 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. It says this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, and when you get to like verse... Um, when you get to verse 53 and 54 and 55 and 56, you see it talking about death. It says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this, incorrupt, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought about that which is said. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. You know, the Bible says in one place, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You know, God wants us to understand death is our enemy. When, when you resist death 
Ain't nothing wrong with that because death is your enemy. It happens to all of us, but there's a time and a place for everything, and we do what we can to not walk into death. It is true, Paul said, that he was ready to be offered, but Paul also said, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. The bottom line is that we understand that death is an enemy. What we cannot do is try to what? Explain away the things we see so that we can make God more palatable to ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we just can't do it. I can't, I can't sit here and try to say that the evil that we see on the planet, somehow I try to make it good so that when it's all over, I can explain God. Because this is what unbelievers do, atheists. If God is so good, why is the world so evil? Well, because God didn't do that. God made a perfect world that was perfect. We came in, sin came in, the curse came in, and y'all see in the book of Revelation what it says. Now, I believe that we can do our best to avoid certain things, but there's some things that, you know, are just here. I mean, you know, if you mess around in a beehive, you're liable to get stung. No matter you're a Christian, stick your hand, you get stung because bees sting. That's just what happens, right? So there's some things that we have to understand. You know, you, 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 you realize in one place, I read this to you in uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, for the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So God is saying, look, I understand y'all's grief. I'm acquainted with it. I understand your sorrow. I got it. This is a part of what's happening, and some of it is by design. Some of it is a part of what goes on on the planet simply because we're here, like seasons, like Brother Chris said last week. And those seasons change in life. We get older. We get more frail. Things can happen, all that. We understand that. These are seasons that change in our lives, that because of that, God says, look, I'm acquainted. I understand it. This is what Jesus was about. He understood our grief. He was acquainted with our sorrow. He understood what was going on. In Luke chapter 19, I told you if you would go there, I wanted to read to you again. This is another time that Jesus wept. Luke 19, and we're going to look at verse 41. It says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within, the, within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of your visitation. That's, that's, again, that's a real problem. Jesus looked out on Jerusalem, and he began to weep. And the Bible says he wept because they did not recognize what was happening. And he said that because of their failure to see this, judgment was coming upon Jerusalem. And he said the day would come when your enemies would circle you in, and everything would be destroyed. And, and this happened in 70 A.D., in 70 A.D., the Roman emperor, uh, the Roman uh, general Titus came in and circled Jerusalem. They went in, killed. They said there were so many people they slaughtered, just blood flowing in the streets. 
because the Romans were so upset that it took them so long to, to get into the city because the Jews were fighting and people were getting killed. And they were, but when they breached the walls, they had mercy on nobody or anything. And then took the temple and everything, broke all the walls down to nothing. And Jesus said that. And he wept before. He, he knew this was coming. And you can only imagine what some of these people might have been thinking while this was all going on. Well, God, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? He had come. And they missed his visitation. And this occurred. But he wept. You know, it's not like Jesus looked down there and said, uh-huh. You see, y'all, y'all not listening. Your time coming. Your time coming. That's not what happened. He wept over the city. So we see again Jesus weeping. In Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, we see again, it says, beginning at verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In other words, Jesus, as he was in the garden, the Bible says he was praying and as, as great drops of blood came down. And as he was praying, he was asking God to, if there was any other way, take the cup away. And when the Bible says that, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. It's not that Jesus needed to learn how to obey. He learned the price we pay for obedience. See, God will tell you many times, God, Jesus didn't need to learn how to obey. Jesus was always obedient. What he learned was he became acquainted even more so with us. What it takes to walk this planet with so many things. Can you imagine what it takes for a young person to lose a parent that early and to continue to walk with God? For somebody to lose their health and to continue to walk with God. Obedience in spite of the suffering that's happening and the things that we're seeing. Because so many people cast God away when the stuff don't go like they want it. You know, that's why we always tell people, you can't sell people on a God. You know, you see the signs that say, come to Jesus, he'll solve all your problems. Well, maybe not so much. They may not go exactly like you want. What Jesus promises us is comfort, a friend, a, a guide, all these things. And I believe that, yes, there's a great life in Christ. But we also realize that what? Life itself can present all kind of trouble to us, and we just have to be obedient to God, and in our obedience, believe that God will be fair and just, even when we don't understand it. You know, I mean, there's so much that sometimes you just have to almost, and, I, and look, I've been here, I, I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just have to try your best to shut your mind down. If you could cut your own head off and put it in a box, you might be better, but you can't. 
And it does tend to prove where you are in a moment with things sometimes when you're doing that. You know, you, you, you're trying to, to, to work your way through, but you, you're kind of, your mind is not getting you there and all. And you have to somehow, that's why the Bible says we meditate in the Word day and night. If we can get the Word in our minds and the Word in our hearts and just keep it going, then what tends to do it, it will push out. This is why Jesus said, take no thought saying. You know, when you take thoughts, you begin to say. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. When you start taking thoughts, you begin to say them. And before you know it, you'll be saying all kind of stuff that you never thought you'd even say. You're doing things that, why are you doing that? You see, you have to realize that, this, and this is where the, the, the battle is, is in our minds. And we have to understand, like today, to me that was such a, for this to happen, I thought, okay, this has to mark a new day for us. This has to mark another day in our calendar where we come here with the understanding that we owe each other the time that it takes to listen, the time that it takes to understand, the time that it takes just, if nothing else, to just be there for people who need help. There's so many. I told my wife, we went to a, uh, see a guy in a nursing home the other day. And of course, for him, all that he's dealing with is that moment he's in and what he's doing and what he's dealing with. And I'm thinking to myself at that time, you know, we got to go do this and we need to go do that. And all those things are important. But at the same time, you got to realize this is why Jesus said when he says, I'm going to say to people, I never knew you. And they say, what are you talking about? Well, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was sick, you didn't visit me. When I was in prison, you didn't come by. And it's like, well, when were you sick or in prison? Or, well, when you don't do it to the least of these, you don't do it for me. So we have to see in each other and recognize in the people we're dealing with that as they're suffering and going through things, we are God's hands and God's feet and God's eyes and God's love to people. Because when I told you all you need to learn how to be alone, that didn't mean you have to be alone, because you're going to have those moments. That's what happened to Peter. Peter went out there. All of a sudden, Peter was by himself. Peter had denied the Lord. And unlike his friend, their other one, Judas, he didn't hang himself. Most people don't commit suicide at a party. They don't have a bunch of people there. It happens in that lonely moment. It happens when they're by themselves. It happens when it looks like life is over and there's nothing. You need to be able to be able to know that God can help and assist and that God's there. But that's why I mean by being alone. You have to sometimes spend time with God so that as you're doing that, you understand. But loneliness is not the answer. There are times when people need people. People need to be there. People need to assist. You've got to have that because if you don't, what, what, what use is it? Jesus said, Jesus said, look, I leave my commandment with you. This is it, that you love one another. As a man loves, that's how he shows his real connection to God. He says, by this, they'll know you are my disciples. It's not so much where do you go to church. That's fine. But the question is, are you loving your brothers and sisters? It doesn't mean that what, I got to call you, you got to call me all the time, and we're doing all that stuff. That's not what we're saying. But I'm saying like today, you know, with, with the situation that goes on, the idea is that we as a, a ministry, as a body, should be available 
to the extent that people need assistance. We should be available to try to help out. We should be available just to listen, just to talk, because everybody's moment kind of comes, you know. And it's sad. It really is. Sister Lori, kept, we just riding along. She just kept saying, that's so sad. That's just so sad. I mean, you know, and it really just is. And I believe that what Jesus did by the way he came and got acquainted with grief, it helps him to enter into our sorrow and to enter into our condition. You know, and, and, and when that happens, I remember once I was talking to someone who had uh, several people who have had um, miscarriage with their children. And, you know, you can go in and, and, and say whatever you want to say, but the reality is this is a, a moment, you know, where people were planning a birth or thinking something would happen, and then it didn't. And it brings sorrow to them as a couple, as a mother, as all of this. And sometimes people just don't get it, you know, they don't get it. And, and I think that just holding somebody's hand, just giving somebody a hug. These are the things that God, we become God's hands, we become God's feet, we become the people who are able then to do what? To show forth the love of God without anything we can add to what's going on. Because we don't really know half the time. And because of that, it's important that we recognize what is happening. I want to continue to say this about Jesus. When you look in Isaiah, I'm going to go back to chapter 53, and then I'm going to get ready to close. When you go back in Isaiah and you really look at it, and I remember that many times people will say, whose report will you believe? And when you look at chapter 53, and it says, who hath believed? Our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. It's amazing to me how many times when things are happening and things are going on, people will say, well, whose report are you going to believe? And the reality is, this really wasn't talking about that. What it was really talking about was us understanding that there is a report that relates to the Savior that sometime we forget about. The Bible says that there was no comeliness or form about him, no beauty that we would desire. He was despised and rejected of men. I mean, people actually rejected Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with him, many people. And, and he understands it. So if you're going through a situation where you feel people are rejecting you or people aren't understanding you or whatever, Jesus understands it. He went through it. He got it. He embraced it. And this is the thing that I think many times... And that's what I told my wife as I was talking about some things. I said, sometime I wonder if on the other side of my message that people may not hear what I'm saying, hear and understand that although God is good, God also is there. And he's not just trying to get you to understand that, look, whatever happens, <laughs> it's me. So I don't care that this happened to you or that happened to you, that happened to you. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's not what he's doing. I'm good, but guess what? He's so good, he'll send somebody by. He's so good that there's somebody you can call at 4 in the morning with your crazy self and say stupid stuff. And they'll come listen to it. He's good, and he'll make sure that in spite of when things aren't going like they should, he's going to do what? He'll be there for you. He'll be there through your real sickness. 
He'll be there through your fake sickness. Y'all might not know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I, done, I, done, I told you, I done killed myself several times. You know, you get something and you think you got something. Oh, Lord, woo, well, next thing you know, it's nothing. Why'd that happen? Well, because if you're walking around on pins and needles half the time, sometimes you can be doing that. It's like life, man. You never know what's going to happen. And next thing you know, you found a bump. Oh, my God. And please, man, please, y'all, if I could, I'm, look, if y'all don't get nothing from what I'm finna say today, please get this. Stay off the internet diagnosing yourself, okay? When something starts happening, please, don't go on the internet. Now, there may be some stuff on there that's, that's right, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that ain't so good. When my doctor told me, he said, I, I wish they had AI. Google, that you, AI, you can tell Google everything, and AI will come back and tell you what's probably really going on. He said, but all you got to do is type in certain things, and boom, and you, you might well forget it. It's over. Your life is finished. And don't let it take three weeks to get a doctor appointment, because, you know, three weeks, you, you know, I mean, so I, I, you got to understand my point. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get you to understand something. Many times, we, we life, we don't understand life. I mean, I, it, it, God has a structure that he has there. And I do believe what we are supposed to do is just make sure that we, we, we trust God, we know who God is, we know who Christ is, and then everything we, we toss over to the Holy Spirit and we say, Lord, help us to walk this walk with the faith that you call for us to walk and to do what you ask us to do, to love one another. And if we do that, then the rest of it, God has a way of just bringing it about. I remember yesterday, my wife, because God will let you know she had, she had backed her car into the driveway. And I said, why you got your car back in? She says, well, the battery ain't sounding right, and I got a feeling the thing might die. I said, okay. So she had it backed in just in case we had to get it towed so we can take it towed to the dealer. Well, so she decided to go get something in Denham Springs, and I decided to, that day, I said, I ain't going to ride with you. I'm going to stay here with my brother was there. So I sit and talk to him. She went out, and she went to the Bible uh, Christian bookstore. She pulled in, and she said she thought to herself, maybe I ought to leave it running and go out. But she turned it off, and before she got out, she said, let me try it. <clears throat> Dead. So, sure enough, she's out there, and she called me, and I said, no problem. I'll come out, you know, at some point after they, they couldn't get the thing done. So we call and uh, on Star, and they say, okay, we're sending somebody. So we're sitting over at the Starbucks, watching the car, waiting on them, and, and eventually they, and we call them back. She says, well, the problem is that the, the guy that was coming to get you, he broke down, and so now he got to get somebody to tow him. Oh, okay, so is somebody else coming? Uh, yeah, we're sending somebody. So the next thing you know, when these people show up, they, they show up, they got this trailer. I mean, it just don't look like what you'd be expecting Cadillac would be sending to you. So she looked at me, I looked at her, I said, well, I, I, well we just going to let them do their thing. So the guy got out, he said, man, I, I got this. I, I do this all the time. And, you know, with all the doubt, <laughs> that I had, I was like, man, you show that truck you got going to pull this, you show that trailer you got going to do He said, man, I got this, I'm telling you. I said, okay. He got out, he got to doing his thing. She and I were sitting in my truck looking, and the next thing you know, bam, it was on the trailer. He locked it down, and he's ready to go. I said, well, it looks like he got it. So I, we followed him all the way. He got there, unloaded. I said, I told you, I do this all the time. I said, man, you got cash out. Um, I'm going to give you a tip. I said, I, 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 I said, I just have to be honest with you. I, I was having my doubts for a minute, you know. He said, I told you I do this all the time. I said, I know God do stuff all the time. Yet still, 
I find myself sitting back going, I don't know how you're going to do this with this. You know, lots of times we just don't understand. And God has this way of doing things and helping us to do them so that we finally get to this place that we start understanding. God, look, we're going to do all that we can. We're going to believe God. We're going to walk by faith. And we're going to embrace each other. We're going to embrace the family and do what we can. And so just like with them, if, if you, I don't know if you all know, y'all see Kezia, Jasmine or whatever. Uh, I don't know if you have their number or don't. But if you do, you know, just give them a call, you know, and, and, and just say, you know, our prayers are with you. Uh, um, we, we, we wish you well. And uh, if there's anything we can do, let us know, you know, and that, that, we, that we love you guys, you know. And so I say the same thing to all of you. You may be sitting there today with something going on on your mind. You know, you could be saying, Pastor, talking all that stuff, you don't know I got this happening. And it's true. And if you do, you know, I feel uh, for you. If you need something, we will help if we can. Just let us know as best we can, you know, and we try to do what we can as a family to love one another and to do that which is right. So, again, I just want to say today, again, if they're watching, uh, we love you all. We appreciate you. And we don't have any answers for where we are, but we do know. Uh, that God is good, his love endures forever, and we will keep you all in our prayers and continue to do that. Everybody, let's bow our heads, and we're going to go ahead and get ready to close. We're going to go ahead and sign our online audience off as well. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we just thank you right now for the opportunity again to come into your house. We pray and ask today that in the name of Jesus, that, Father, you will help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to embrace the truth about life, and that is that we really don't understand it all. But, Father, we do know that you love us and that if we give ourselves into your hands, we know that, Father, you will keep us. Father, we ask it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, God bless you all.